I'm hitting record. And uh, Dan Duran, <laughs> as soon as I hit record, Dan Duran got up and left. He's gone now. He's nervous. Stage fright. <laughs> <laughs> wait till, when he comes back. Look at that fancy chair. Yeah, wait, and wait till, you, wait till you see what he's wearing. He's got no, his pajamas on. I call those lounging drawers. I have those. Yeah, so do I. Comfy. But, but my, I, I call them my, my cozy pants. Cozy pants. I got cozy pants. Um, comfy drawers? Comfy drawers and cozy pants. No, yeah, I used to call them lounging drawers. Oh. Just a quick story on that point. Back in the late 70s, I moved to Milton with my mom and dad. And I used to wear sweatpants all the time and didn't have any. So, you know, older women often wear, you know, those suits, you know, with the stretchy pants and the, and the jackets and, you know, like a leisure, women's leisure suit. So my mom had a whole old one. So I used to wear the pants of it around the house all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so they were these green sort of mm. stretchy pants that she no longer used. Yeah. Like as part of her leisure suit. And I used to call them my lounging drawers. And uh, well, that's that great. From the late. That's over 40 years old, Howard. That little nugget right there. That's a great nugget. Uh, I wish I had known that earlier in our career that I used to wear your mom's pants. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking about this, and maybe we were talking about this. I don't know who I was talking about this with, but I was recalling that my father, like a lot of men in the '60s and '70s, when preparing for sleep, would put on a whole outfit of bottoms and uh, pajama bottoms and a top. Yes, and. The top had a pocket in it. <laughs> to go to, he would put this on, like the pocket yeah. to go to sleep in case, I don't know, that's you needed you to... your pen. <laughs> no, I was thinking, <laughs> that's where you kept your night smokes. <laughs> but, but my yeah. father wore a full... He put on another outfit to go to bed. Yeah. It's funny. My dad never did. I, you know what? I probably could count on one hand the... The sets of pajamas I had, I from we just my dad slept in his underwear and we did as kids from as long as I can remember. Uh, we slept in I slept in pajamas. I remember putting on like, you know, they weren't as formal as my father's, you know, sleep suit, <laughs> sleep suit Didn't that he wore. Didn't have a pocket, but they were like kids pajamas, you know, with like, you know, like they were like long like flannel, like, like or, or long johns, like long johns. And you had to put a shirt on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, when I was a, you know, before my memory kicked in, I'm sure my mom put me in pajamas, but as far back as I can ever remember, even if I felt a bit cold and went to sleep with a, say, with a t-shirt on halfway through the night, it would be off, but I could never wear like pants to bed, like sweatpants or pajama pants drive me crazy. Drive me crazy. Yeah, but I, I think that's you know that was what people did back in the fifties, sixties, and seventies. But I, I just thought it well, was. Well, they didn't have central heating too, like <laughs> no, well, years maybe, and years ago. Or? Well, maybe that was it in our house. Our heating wasn't very good. But I just remember, like, I can distinctly remember where my father's pajama drawer was, and I always wondered why there was a pocket in them. Yeah, good point. Like a breast pocket, like not mm -hmm. not no, just I get yeah. It. Uh, Dan Duran, what uh, about your childhood? Might we uh, glean? Well, it, it, on the topic, uh, I don't know what point I stopped wearing pajamas and stuff. There was a point. There was a crossover point, though, definitely for that. And then my, my I remember my dad had it was a sort of a satiny 
you know, maroon colored something with some swirly things on it that you used to wear all the time. <laughs> was the crossover point when you started wearing your mother's negligee? <laughs> well, yeah, I love how he's deflecting from the fact that he was wearing his mother's, you know, leisure wear. <laughs> oh no! I hey, I yeah. brought it up. I'm, I know. Not, I'm not embarrassed. Yeah, no, I, I did it. There's no uh, clothing that I wore of my mother's at all in my in my childhood. <laughs> Wait, you know, I, you, how about you? You could probably line up a hundred guys and they could say that. <laughs> not me. Um, no, I, I don't recall wearing any of my mother's clothes. You know, uh, that my my parents' room was pretty much off limits for us. Uh, so even if I'd wanted to try on a brassiere <laughs> or, uh, you know, the one, the pointy ones, the pointy ones like yeah. Lucy used to wear, I, I don't think that I, uh, ventured into their room very much. They didn't want you to find the sex toys. That's why. Well, that was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it, man. <laughs> um, shall we start the show with our very good friend, Dan Duran, Frederick? Oh, absolutely. Okay, well, here we go, Dan Duran. It's time to shine. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studios in Toronto. From our well-equipped Brampton facility with a pool, it will soon close. And from Lisa's... (laughs) That is currently closed. And from Lisa's dining room table in Peterborough. You mean... I'm sorry, do you mean Dan and Lisa's dining room table? (laughs) (laughs) With a fall leaf centerpiece. Mm. And is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. And now here are two men who are keeping busy by making soup, talking about making soup, and debating if you can soup it for breakfast. It's the antagonized by fall, humble and Fred. Uh, by fall, do you mean the season of death? That's what fall is, Dan. It's, it's tormenting you. Uh, uh, you mean uh, we're right? Like right now, we're we're at the beginning of like the suckvember because it's not November yet, but it's got that feel like where it's just kind of cold and gray and it rained and. Anyway, we're going to do uh, what we can to make people feel better today. Kevin Frankish making his... Has he ever been on the program? I want to say making his Humble and Fred debut, but... Howie, I don't know. Maybe. Back in the day. He's a nice man. He is a nice man, and uh, he'll be on the program talking about his battles with depression. Yesterday was, uh, I believe... World Mental Health Day. Mm -hmm. You know, being a performer, radio and television, maybe television more so because obviously it's visual, but, you know, battling, you know, boats of depression. It can't be easy. Can't be easy. Well, we're talking to Kevin about it. He's got a new podcast called The Mental Health Podcast. And um, he's got a a story or two to tell us about having a panic attack while hosting breakfast television. Also, you know, there's another, you know, with guys like us who have all done morning shows, I'm always fascinated by the routines of other people, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to television, because Mm. he, he lived, I I think he still does lived in Barrie all the years he was doing breakfast TV. Right. So what's that like? <laughs> do you, do you, get, yeah. you get up at like one o'clock in the morning it, to drive here and put makeup on? <clears throat> Did he have a crash pad in Toronto somewhere? 
Well, this is what we're going to find out. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, You know, that's that's a great point because with the pressure, you know, of performing a morning show, again, be it radio or television, then add the dimension of the visual, having to get there earlier for makeup and what suit am I going to wear? And Mm -hmm. can that create like, can that affect your mental health? You know what I mean? You're not you haven't got enough sleep. Uh you know, it's a long week. Well, it's All another layer things. of anxiety, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Whereas you and I very often would show up in our mother's, you know, leisure pants <laughs> and not care. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I um, used to. I, used, I, I remember you and I. Well, you wouldn't do it, but I did. I wore shorts in the summertime to our office when we weren't in an office. And tell the story. I used to say this to you. Why don't you? I would wear like what I wear now, you know, shorts, yep. flip flops, sliders, T-shirt. And you would come uh, in a formal. Uh, you, you were always wearing pants and you, you always had a suit uh, jacket on. <laughs> no, <laughs> that no. part's not I, true. No, I, I, I would wear T-shirts, often button down shirts. And I always wore I never wore running shoes from the jeans either. I always wore like docks or. Yeah, I just felt I just felt better. Um, More professional. Yeah, I guess whatever it was. Yeah, I know. And all you guys would come in in your cargo shorts and everything. And I just didn't do that. It was, uh, I don't know. Just didn't. Um, and uh, you're right. There's. Listen, I kind of wanted to structure uh, or throw this by you in terms of structuring today's program and subsequent programs for the uh, next little while. It's hard to ignore. All the uh, things that are going on in Israel and the Gaza Strip, and we're all becoming familiar with terms and proximities. Um, But there's other things we can talk about. And I just wanted to have this discussion before we launch into one or another, because obviously there's lots of stuff to talk about there. And, you know, when it gets us worked up, it certainly does me. And I've got some audio to play, but there are a few other things we could talk about. But I just want to throw it out to you, too, in terms of where you think we should go and when you think we should go there and when we shouldn't. I don't know. That's tough because we don't usually do this. (laughs) You know what I mean? A lot of our conversation is just organic. Well, sure. But, you know, there is like... You know, as as the guy helping steer the ship, there are avenues uh-huh. we could explore that don't have anything to do with the Middle East. But then I'm thinking, OK, but should right. we should we address that now? Should we, you know, do some more nonsense about pajamas and, you know. Well, there's usually a pocket of this show where you like after I leave and before the guest arrives, there's a pocket in there that you you can have serious discussions, which okay. you ten, tend to do anyway. Maybe maybe you should uh, save it, save it for that part, and we can talk about you know. So we should save the uh, chopped up babies' heads and gas the Jews stuff till then. Yeah, that you know, just start start uh, lighter and maybe go into something like uh, Hurricane Lydia, which is a category four hurricane. No, it's, oh, it's well, west of uh, Mexico, which yeah. you maybe didn't know about. Yeah, now I was, you know, I had a little jot here about El Nino, and it's going to be a warmer winter. I'm reading is it that really? again. Well, so they say, but that could mean more precipitation. One thing before, uh, okay, if we're not going to talk about the serious stuff now, last night anyway, I'm my nephew. My brother's grandson had a hockey game in here, Brampton. I went to watch it. 
and just driving through the streets of yes bram tune and then going into the hockey rink and looking at all the people with their kids and their hockey bags and their swimming lessons and I was just thinking we take so much for granted in this country, you know, the horror that goes on in so many other places on earth and that in particular, and we'll get into the details later, imagining, you know, and I was looking at some of these little kids just thinking, what if that happened to that kid in front of that parent right now? And it's happening. Those things are happening on earth. But here in Canada, we're just so shielded from from that stuff you know and and we imagine people in those other parts of the world live differently than us but they don't they live exactly as we do and again not to not that we're going to talk about it but when we do some of the images coming out of israel the ones that really struck me are just how every day those they're little you know there was some uh, video i was looking at this morning of you know some of the one of the uh uh, kibbutzim, kibbutzim, it's a farm that was that was ma- all these people were massacred mm-hmm. but the homes they lived in just looked like ours there's the tv yes. there's the couch mm-hmm. and there were people just like those kids that you saw at the game yesterday mm-hmm. living their lives until some people because of religion yeah. um came in and cut their heads off but we'll mm-hmm. get to that later so um yeah let's not do that now because hey. you know it's hey the Leafs begin their season tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. That's something I guess to look forward to on a positive note. Um, that's great. And I want, I did want to bring that up later. Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted you guys, because we were talking about our childhood in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And here's a story. The best place to be this Hang summer. on a second. Here we go. This is part of our childhood in Canada. Do you recognize this? Mm-hmm. It's one of those Canadian kid shows. It's the best Canadian kid show. Mr. Uncle Mr. 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 You said Uncle oh, Mr. Bobby? Grosso. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Grosso. Okay. Yeah. Although the audio is kind of weird, Dan, because it's only kind of coming out of one and a half. It's kind of like, it's not panned. Oh, uh, so the reason I bring it up is uh, that there is a Mr. Dress-Up documentary that is uh, just came out yesterday on Amazon Prime. And... Um, and I just thought of that, like, there's a perfect example of, it's called Mr. Dress Up, The Magic of Make-Believe. And uh, a few years ago, there was a, a documentary on uh, Mr. Rogers. But Ernie Coombs was in our lives for almost 30 years. Uh, you know, I, uh, when I was a kid, certainly when you just got to stay home from school, you would watch Mr. Dress Up. And I was watching some of the old episodes, or a little bit of the episode in this clip that I was looking at. He was pretty good, Mr. Dressup. I mean, I, you know, we all think that Canadian, we think that all things Canadian are sort of sucky, but it was, he, he did thousands of episodes and then, of course, toured across the country. I think the uh, number of episodes, I, I have it here, was like 4,000 episodes of that show. Yeah, 4,000 oh, wow. episodes spanning 29 years, Dan. That's amazing. That and the the friendly giant, you know, when you're when whether or not you think Canadian television sucked at the time or not, yeah, when we were kids at that age. We didn't think that. No, I thought know, it was great. Had that opinion, yeah. It's like, oh, okay, that <clears throat> the friendly giant and uh, Shea Helen, which I didn't really get, but um, sort of well, knew what was I, there all the time. If I may, I would say I was before you just mentioned the Green Giant. I was going to say that Canada did 
kids TV pretty pretty good. Yeah, I think you know even out this way. I don't know if you guys got Uncle Bobby and there was yep. Tiny Talent Time. And, of course, uh, I, we didn't get Tiny Talent yeah. Time, but we got we got yeah. Uncle Bobby and we've talked yeah. about this. Had Bimbo the birthday clown. Yeah, and so, and Mrs. Uh, who was a woman who never who looked into the mirror? What was her well, name? That's room. That yeah. romper room. Yes. Romper room. So we had romper room. I see Howard. And never I saw see Howard. Dan. Never saw Howard. Never saw Howard. Oh, I'm sure she saw never Howard. saw Howard. Not one Howard was ever really? seen. Romper room. I was, on the, I was on the Calgary romper room. You they were had romper rooms all over. Yeah. What? I, I went to I went to Popcorn Playhouse in Edmonton uh, for my uh, cousin's birthday, and that was uh, I don't know I think it was Eric Neville or something who hosted. There was a talking moose on that show, and they had a little gold mine. What are you saying? Like there was regional romper rooms? Yeah. Romper rooms were regional. Yeah, I did not know that. So yeah. romper room, Mister Bobby, Uncle uh, Mister Uncle Bobby, Mister Dress Up, and Green Giant, and let's not forget our friend Lumby's family. Who uh, produced a? Uh, I think it was regional, but some some people here would have seen it. Uh, a show called Size Small, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that one. Anyway, twenty nine years. Was the, the host of that. One. Yeah, Miss Helen. <laughs> yeah, Miss Helen. Um, I mentioned. I, I think you said you didn't get Tiny Talent. Tonight, no, but what I've heard of it though. Think about that concept, and it was done at TV Eleven here, CHCH. As far as ratings, and it was very popular. It was referenced all the time. But just imagine that kids from the you know Golden Horseshoe auditioned to be on this show. Talk about getting eyes on a show every week because you know little Susie down the lane is on the show this week. Mm-hmm. It was the concept was was brilliant. Yeah, and very as, smart. As I say, it was. It was fun to watch because some of the kids were good and some of the kids were shitty. But uh, the idea that you could, you know, if a kid was on Tiny Talent Time, the whole school was watching that show on Sunday, you know, and it was pretty, uh, pretty neat. And Bill Lawrence was the host. Remember Bill Lawrence? I I don't. And I only I only I only only know that as a reference from Mm -hmm. living here for half my life. Yeah. Well, Bill Lawrence, he did the weather on CBC News for years and years and years. That's right. Years yeah. After, yeah. And, of course, um, Mr. Dressup had Casey and Finnegan. Mm-hmm. Who were the puppets yeah. on Mr. on the Green Giant? Rusty the Rooster. Right. And Jerome the Giraffe. Jerome the Giraffe. And, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Dressup had the iconic Tickle Trunk. <laughs> Dan can relate to that. I was, I was gonna do it. <laughs> okay, Dan can also. <laughs> Dan, just... can, Dan can also relate to look up, look, look way, way up. up, and I'll call Rusty. Dude, I was I was pausing there to do the dander and tickle trot. Of course, it's an I'm obvious one. It's like no, it's T-ball at this point. Dan, like Dan's dick could be a T-ball stand. <laughs> I love the yeah, fact that we. Yeah. I love the fact that the embargo is over. Um, remember the beginning. I love the beginning of uh, Friendly Giant. Yeah, just the way you know the little rocking chair and all that stuff. Oh yeah, small and he was just always so calm. Yep. So uh, there's some, uh, and, and this ties into some other story that I thought was. Um, Relatable to all three of us because we've raised raised children. There's a story. Uh, I don't have the source in front of me. Let me get the story for you. That the cost of raising a child in Canada, according to Stats Can, 
I, I, I like to do this sometimes, just throw out a number for you guys. So, according to Stats Can, the cost of raising a, a child in Canada to age 17 is a number. What would you imagine that number to be? I know this story, so I'll let Dan. I know what the number is. I don't know. It's probably like a, to raise a kid, I would it be 100000 or something. Higher. $350,000. Wow. Yeah. And that number rises another 29% if the parents support their child until age 22. Mm-hmm. Then it's like 450. You know, um, did that surprise I you? St- well, I, I always struggle with the concept of that because often those numbers don't add up. To I know. Me. Like, you know what I mean? The average, you know, household income is $80,000 and then over like. But, like, but here's what they're doing. I, and I thought the that. same thing. Yeah. And I thought the same thing, even though I sent my kids to a private French school. I could do the math for you. But what I think they're taking into consideration is, you know, the cost of housing, the cost of, you know, like, like if, if you're living in a home, they're saying that, you know, that the, the child. I guess. Yeah, it's because it's not you. There's no way the average parent, as you just said, is spending three hundred fifty thousand dollars on a kid. But they got this number somewhere. Oh, no, no. I understand that. It's <clears throat> if you have four kids, that's uh, one point five million. Well. A lot of people don't make that in the 20 years they they work. You right. know what I mean? It's and then there's how besides the kids, there's a car and there's a house. And but as you say, maybe that's all worked into the equation. Yeah, I think it has I've always to be. I've always found that a bit bewildering that those stats. Yeah, me too. And I just thought I'd throw that out there because I thought it did seem like a lot of money. And uh, but unlike uh, back to our, our discussion of a previous generation and you know, growing up in the 60s and 70s as we did, you know, kids didn't live with their parents as long as they do now. You know, I left, I moved out of my parents' home the summer after high school, even though I didn't graduate. Um, But I was, uh, and Dan, you were gone at a similar time. Fred, you you were gone not shortly, you know, shortly after, whereas, you know, it's... 21. 20 old, but, but even that was probably a little long for those days. Oh, definitely. It's just I was working in Brampton. They lived in Milton, and it was very convenient. So, and my parents were fun. I never had a, I was never one of those, God, I got to get away from these people. I was never, never of that mindset. Not, not that I was either, but it was just mm-hmm. expected. I, in, in my yeah. home, in my family's whatever it was just kind of expected that at some point is you know both of my brothers left high school went and then moved out immediately and went to university mm-hmm. and i i just i could have the weird thing is i could have stayed in my parents home and worked at the radio station i just didn't i had an apartment mm-hmm. and a roommate and i just started off that way dan what, what how old were you? dan you, this was the 1800s so when did you leave the <laughs> when yeah, did you have, when was, <laughs> didn't you get a job when you were 12 at the factory or whatever yeah no i was i was 18 when i left I, my first job uh, in radio was on the other side of edmonton and uh uh well it was a longer story but anyway i moved out and uh that but i always want when i was growing up i always i just had this fierce independence i always wanted to be an adult 
way when I was young. I just thought there was, I, I wanted that freedom so much of being an adult and growing do up. Do you think you'll ever get there? <laughs> it's it's another, another easy one. Yeah, when's that yeah. going to happen? Um, Sooner or later. I think that applies to all of us. No, exactly. Uh, yeah. well, I, listen, I met Dan when you moved to Moose Jaw. I was uh, 18 and you would have been just about 20. So I saw the way you lived independently and it was something else. It was like a, it was like a porn storm in this room of his. The first, I've told that story the first time I, I had met Dan's room before I met Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Kingsbury took me over. I was hanging out with Danny Kingsbury. He said, oh, this is my roommate Dan's. Uh, and the, the door was ajar and it was just like clothes and porn magazines and all kinds of things, Dan. You know, that was, is that when you yeah. became an adult? Yeah, somewhere in there. What would the pre? What would the? What would your father have thought of that, Dan? That you, you know, you leave the home and immediately fall into the sordid world of pornography. What would he have <laughs> thought? It's really getting mischaracterized. Is it? Uh, <laughs> is it really? Well, it's like I've, from the picture Howard paints. It's like yes. there's a layer of clothes, and on top of that, there's, there's a layer of porn magazines, porn magazines, that are, and, that are open, yep. and you know, with the centerfolds hanging from the walls, and you know, <laughs> yeah, and creams everywhere, and, and creams, Kleenex. Did you, have a subscri- did you have a subscription to Beaver Hunt? Oh, yeah. That was Beaver Hunt, Hustler, uh, the girl yeah. next door, whatever. Uh, no, Dan, I, I don't. Listen, it's, yeah, all, it a bl- it's quite, all a blur to me. Yeah, it's uh, maybe not quite that extreme. And, uh, and of course, I've but, told the story uh, about my being... My mother would have been. My mother would horrified. have been horrified. Oh, yeah. horrified. And I've told the story yeah. of uh, I was with Dan the first time he ever smoked marijuana. And then after that, all bets were off. He was just <laughs> fucking everything turned into a just a... Porn strewn fuck palace. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, there's some stuff that's not the Middle East. Uh, Mr. Dress Up. So Amazon Prime, if you're interested, um, raising a child, we did that. NHL, the uh, Leafs are uh, tonight with uh, Montreal. They always. Why do they always start against Montreal? Just a tradition. Yeah, you know, and it's sort of recent history, um, to be honest, uh, that they've done this. Because for years and years, I remember, you know, when they weren't even in the same division, and you know, there was there was several years where the J or where the Leafs only played Montreal twice a year. Because you know, again, it's a long story, but. So since they're back in the same division and they want to, you know, reinforce these regional rivalries, they've done that. Yes. So um, Mm. maybe now would be an interesting because just because it's the NHL. And I don't know if you saw that uh, the NHL was in the news yesterday for other reasons. Mm -hmm. They have created its own don't say gay policy with a ban on pride tape. Um I'm not. A, I mean, I understand what all those words mean, but maybe you have some background on this that they've told. They basically have, is that a thing they've officially told their players they can't wrap a pride tape well, on their on their sticks. Yes, and they're not going to do you know every year a, one game or a couple of games you know for pregame warm up they'd come out in pride jerseys and everything. It just became too much of a distraction. Honestly, I don't. Again, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I I don't totally disagree with it because I was always of the mindset. To me, it just seemed a little, I don't know, not disingenuous, but it was 
they were doing it because they were sort of felt like they had to do it or something and everybody else was doing it. And the NHL just made a decision like, you know, everybody can exercise their beliefs outside of the games and you can do this and you can do that. But as far as the game that night, we're just going to stay away from that because, you know, there was players that refused to wear the sweaters and the league got all sorts of uh, complaints about this and that and what have you. And that's the decision they made. And, you know, this is a league that's been pretty successful over the past few years. And it, it was a ballsy move. I mean, whether you agree with it or not, and, and, and let me say, I, I don't care one way or the other, but, but I, I, can, I appreciate where it comes from. It became such a distraction during the regular season that that's the decision they made i mean so gary well I'll, I'll tell you what i think in a second but gary bettman yeah. basically uh that's what his statement was um blah 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 legitimate concerns <clears throat> but the uh, crux of his statement is uh this way we're keeping the focus on the game and on these specialty nights we're going to be focused on the cause i'm not sure what that meant but you know this is such a distraction but uh, let me back up the fact that they've actually come out uh, no pun intended Mm -hmm. and and made this statement is not gonna it's not a good look for them no and that's that's yes and you wonder like why it gets back to, you know, our analogy, you know, the boardroom. They're sitting around a boardroom and somebody made this decision. And, you know, you know, they said, you know, we're going to take some heat for this because this is this is probably the, you know, this is the path of most resistance that we're about to take here. And they decided to take it. Uh, some of the reaction would yeah. surprise you. I'm just looking at <clears throat> this uh, yeah. Twitter post and, you know. I mean, this is a tweet from uh, supposedly it says, hello, a gay man here. Many of us support this decision. It came after the radical left publicly shamed and harassed players in real life. So there's the perspective of somebody in the community who's saying, no, I get why they did this. Because there was such, you know, pushback from people on players who didn't do it. As you said, it was it caused a lot of distraction. I mean, is it such a big deal to put some rainbow tape? Why are why are such why are alpha no. males so afraid of rainbows? <laughs> is my question. Yeah, but they aren't because most of the players disagree with this. But it gets back to what I said at the beginning. You know, when it becomes a nice gesture, and now it becomes an issue with people sitting back and waiting to see exactly how they're doing it and when they're going to do it yeah. and why they're going to do it and who's going to do it and who disagrees. Now it becomes. Almost like a not political issue, but a social issue now when I just want to watch a hockey game and I just want to follow the NHL. And my question from the very beginning on honestly was why? Like, this is a hockey game. Like, why does this have to be brought into it? And, and again, it doesn't come from any press, uh, prejudice or intolerance. It's like, I, do we really need this? What's become a circus around the game? Like each one of these players, like Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, they've all come out and said, yeah, they basically disagree with it, but they are all involved in charities or campaigns with the gay community. And the NHL is going, that's fantastic. Do whatever you want. But when people show up at the rink at night, then we're just going to have hockey. 
Yeah, okay. And, and again, I don't think you it's know? a... Go ahead, Dan. Well, as a public forum, is it is it the proper thing to keep everything that is... Uh, like I, I, what I'm hearing, Fred, is like if the if the Ukraine or if Israel or there shouldn't be we should be totally neutral in all of that and not have that any of that in inside the sports arenas. Is that kind of what you're saying? No, I don't Canadian know if neutral applies here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 I don't. But let me jump in. A lot yeah. of other sports, including the NFL, have messages on their helmets that have uh they that, that are they support various causes at various times it's not without precedent you know there are golf tournaments where the players wear will wear a ribbon in support of something so it's not like and, no, I, I and, and again i understand i understand the distraction it caused but to come out again, no pun intended, but to come out and say this, to make a big statement about well, from now on, you know, I don't think that's a great look. And 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 if a player now. So now if a player wants to put rainbow tape on their stick, they can't before no. before it was legislated on those nights. But now now they don't even have the option of it. You know, I think only one or two players ever use the rainbow tape, to be honest. Um, but that's here and or there. Uh, you know, the, the, all leagues, including the NHL, they have, you know, uniform rules and guidelines that all the players have to adhere to. And I guess that falls into that. But but I I do believe the NHL, too, will no longer even have cancer nights or they're to sort of cover their ass i think they've mm-hmm. eliminated all they've eliminated all those nights those no I, and i got i got that from the story they they want to keep yeah. they want to keep it separate um yeah i don't know what to say howard you know and that the racial thing with the nfl you know none of that was ever sanctioned you know the one knee thing in the in and the NFL wasn't comfortable with it. And they got messages on the back of their helmets and that was the compromise you know and it yeah, uh, it's a tough one. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, I don't have much more to say about it. I just, I get why, I get that there's, they want to take some of the focus off the fact that there were people that weren't doing it. But in general. Which you know, doesn't seem fair, does it? Because, of, and believe me, it was only, there's 700 and some odd players, like 800 players in no, the I NHL. Know. It was only a simple handful that pushed back, and it seems odd that they would win out. But I think generally, and listen, the NHL, all these they do their research, man. They do their due diligence. So they've come to this decision probably not easily. Yes, Dan. Uh, Dan Duran from uh, the uh, oh. Dan and Lisa broadcast studios. <laughs> I was just uh, <laughs> piping in a little bit here. It's I was going to say interesting, but I, that's, we don't. Well, hold anyway, on. It's interesting. It's interesting that our pop culture, when when we are as a as a whole, this ultra far right conservative message of you know, which is not the majority of our society, from from what I get from what the reading of our society, but it's it's pushing all of our kind of our norms, like away. So like this is this is really a result of that voice which is a minority voice that somehow is getting, you know, in the States and to a certain extent uh, following up in Canada as well. And we're paying attention to that now, which we it's taking us backwards. And I, I don't think it's the right. And, and the I right hear what you're saying, because really of, of the 700 to Fred's point of the 700 players in NHL, only a few push back on it. And that somehow is mm-hmm. won the day. Not the other 600 and 
you know, 93 players, but the few that thought that was not right. And, a lot, and to those guys, you know, go fuck yourselves. You know, yeah, seriously, yeah, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, but but I, I think it goes, again, deeper than that. I think, you know, there's a whole pile of people in the middle where they probably did their market research, and there's people like you and I or whatever who, when they were asked the question, do you think this should be part of it, they're probably thinking back, boy, last year there was that guy, and it says, I heard too much talk about that. Why not just not have it part of the game? And I, And that's probably where it came from. And no hate, no animosity. It's just like, can I watch the hockey game without this becoming some kind of a social fucking issue or statement now? Like, well, but but, a, but then every sport could say that. Can I watch the? Oh, no, I know can I can. watch I, the I NFL it. without some stupid statement about uh, uh, equality and equity? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's my answer. No, mm-hmm. you can't. You can't anymore. Because, and again, well, you're, you should, yeah. Well, well, you're right. You can they, in the NHL. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're probably right. They, they, they did their research. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a great look. That's all I want to say. So um, no, and even the NFL thing. When I see in the end zone, it says "end racism." It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, great. Like, okay, now what do we? <laughs> what's what's, what's the anybody next, really doing? What's, about? Yeah, what's the next step? Yeah, exactly. Okay, end, so. it, it should be end racism, and then a QR code. Go here to find out how. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 you know, as always, I'm able to see both sides, but it, you know, it just mm. irks me a little bit that you know, just that the thing that irks me the most is that a few, a few people, few players were able to sway. And and maybe they're right that You're they right. that represented uh, an uncomfortable feeling for a lot of you know straight people to watch hockey. Uh, no, no, and, and yeah, make no, make no mistake about it. If those players hadn't have pushed back, and we hadn't read several times throughout the re- the season that so so and the Nashville Predators will not wear the sweater and won't come out for the pregame skate because he does. Believe me, this is where it all came from. So yeah, that that minority, it looks. Like one, and I, and from there, I think is where the research started. Yeah, I'm sure. Did we do this, should we, and all that. So, well, listen, man. I think we've done a, a great job, fellas, of you know doing almost 40 minutes of a broadcast without getting too, you know, f- too serious. We're going to take mm-hmm. a, a quick break here. Dan Duran's coming back with the news. Kevin Frankish is coming up. Uh, so is the retirement Sherpa as well. So there's lots of information on this program. And uh, we will uh, do what we can to uh, discuss some of the uh, things we all found out in the last couple of days about this ridiculous and heinous attack on uh, Israel. So in the meantime, here's Freddie. Hey, do you have a small business? Do you have some employees that you love and you value and you would like to do something nice for them? You know, you're a small company. You do not have a benefits package. Well, you know what? There's a solution. It's called the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Uh, Several hundreds, thousands of small businesses combined have the profile of a large business, which makes purchasing insurance possible. And that's the concept here. So you become part of it. And now those employees that you love, those employees that you appreciate, those employees that you want to do something nice for, you have that option. 
Go to chamberplan.ca today, get a free quote, find out how you can become part of this and have a benefits package that works for your people. There's different levels. I won't give all the details on that right now. Just go to chamberplan.ca, find out all about it and how it can work for your small business. The Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca. A lot of people have been talking about electric vehicles, and uh, we're chief among them. Uh, RentElectric.ca. And a uh, really great response to our contest to get into a, an electric vehicle for the weekend. And uh, we're taking care of that right now. If you still want to rent an electric vehicle, try it out for a day, for a weekend, for a week. It's not just Teslas. They've got the Nissan Leafs. They've got the uh, Konas. All sorts of different options at rentelectric.ca. Uh, it's located not far from the Humble and Fred Studios uh, in Dundas, 427 area. So if you want to drop in, you can. 1-800-387-9391. And right now, if you uh, go ahead and rent one, you can get $40 off your first rental at Humble EV. That's the voucher. Humble EV for $40 off. An opportunity. And, and, and I'm going to say this. So many people that not just entered the contest, but but basically sent us notes telling us uh, they were interested in electric vehicles. There's really a lot. You know, it's, it's funny. Not interesting. It's funny that... Uh, how I've even seen in the year that we've been involved with Rent Electric, I've seen the interest in it increase. Um, I know some people that were driving, you know, old school vehicles that are now transitioning to electric. And if you're one of those people, you want to try it out first, do it. Rentelectric.ca. No, 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 no. Ah, da, 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 da. So uh, I'm waiting for Kevin Frankish. We've only got a couple minutes, so we'll uh, save all our Middle East ranting. Um, I mean, I could ask you about the Leafs. I think I said something at the end of the show yesterday. Like, do you care? Do you have any thoughts about them? Do they have any chance? I'll say what it's I said the last couple of years. How same old thing. No, nothing matters till April. Like, you know, they'll have a great regular season and Matthews will score over 50 and it'll be this and that and what have you. And then the playoffs start and then, then we'll see what happens. Yeah. Really? I, that's. Like, I have no, there's nothing within me, like, excitement or anticipation or anything with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's the season starting tonight, and I'm flatlining. Okay, great. Now i got to sit through 82 games before it matters. That's really my mindset. That's where I'm at, as you know. Well, I saw a few games with you, actually, this last winter, um, <clears throat> sitting there in the condo in Mexico mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, before dinner one night, and... You still enjoy the game. I mean, it's like you're like me on a mm-hmm. like I'll watch a regular tour event. It won't be as exciting as the Masters, but I watch it for the love of the sport. Mm-hmm. And I think you still appreciate it. I hope I'm, I'm, I mean, my observation is that you do from that standpoint. Well, it's just a weird situation where you'll watch. Sure, you'll get excited. You'll watch a game. And, you know, Marner and Matthews will connect on this beautiful, gorgeous fucking goal. And you go, man, those mm. guys are magicians. They're wonderful. Look at that. But it doesn't. It doesn't. And it hasn't happened in the playoffs. So you're to the point now where you're conditioned that way. You see something remarkable during the regular season. And your first thought is, why can't they do that in the playoffs? Yeah, it's gotta I mean, be, that's sort of where I'm at. It's got to be frustrating. 
<clears throat> Excuse me. It is. It's got to be frustrating for you yeah. when you see how good and exceptionally good some of them are. Oh. And then just how, you know, a little bit, it kind of look at what happened to the American team in the Ryder Cup. Like, they had a, on paper a much better, like, world ranking, much better players. And yet under the pressure of that contest, they're not able to deliver. Mm-hmm. I told you they haven't won. The U.S. team has not won the Ryder Cup away from the U.S. in now 32 years mm-hmm. or 30 years. Mm-hmm. So how do you explain that? Like, those are some of the best players in the world, and yet they're fine at home. And, and it must be frustrating watching how good those kids can be in, you know, March and, in, you know, February and March. But then the calendar clicks over, <laughs> then they're just horrible. Yeah, there's no desperation. There's no fight in them. And, uh, you know, there's so much that goes into choosing hockey players and, you know, the great organizations. Uh, you know, it's just not talent. It's character. It's uh, chemistry. It's balance. And the Leafs have missed the mark on that. You know, I was watching a thing yesterday, an NHL preview, and they were talking about the Vegas Knights and just how balanced they are as a hockey team. You know, as they explain it, you go, yeah, I, now I can see why the Leafs have the, all these holes or why the Leafs don't measure up. Because, you know, Vegas put together a team that when the playoffs start, to a man, those players will go. Th- they won't go around somebody. They go through them. And I've used that analogy before. Leafs just don't have enough of those players. That's, uh, you know, it's how bad you want it. But, I mean, if you know that. And I trust that you do. And, you know, you could explain, you know, you could explain it to me. Mm-hmm. I am a sports fan. I get it. Mm-hmm. But how come the team never seems to draft or here comes Kevin never mm-hmm. seems to put together the, a team, you know, in that mold? Yeah, I know. Not since the early 90s have they had a team like that. All right. Let's yeah. uh, let's uh, switch gears now. It's uh, time to say hi to Kevin. As he connects to audio, I'm not sure if we're going to see him on video. I hope we do. And I really can't. I can't. I don't know that we've ever had Kevin on the show, but he'll maybe he'll be able to tell us. But if he's an old guy like us, he may not remember. I yeah. You know, uh, I, I, hello. Yeah. Here's the thing, Kevin. We're not 100 percent sure we've ever had you on the show. Do you do oh, you have any on. recollection? I lost your audio, of course. OK. See, old guy stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm on you. There we are. I think I can hear you now. Can you hear right us on. now, Kevin? Can you hear me now? Yeah, you can sound you good. Can now? you hear me? Kev, before we start the formal introduction, have you ever been on the Humble and Fred show before? Never once. Never been invited. See, there, you never been there you go. Yeah, but all those years you were working mornings while we were Same working Same time mornings. as us, yeah. So That's how fine. did that work? It's still, hey, it's still valid. <laughs> true, true. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you? Here we go with the uh, formal introduction. Please welcome to our Making His Humble and Fred Show debut after 34 years of putting out this nonsense. Uh, he was for a long time a, uh, a trusted friend in the morning and uh, one of the pioneers of a certain style of television. And we, What uh, style is that? Let me finish, Kevin. He was the host of Breakfast Television and has recently launched a, a brand new podcast called The Mental Health Podcast. He's a very, very kind fellow. That's what we hear. It's Kevin Frankish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's all true. Hi, how, are, how are you guys? Hey, you know, Good. one of the things I said to Freddie, uh, whenever we meet fellow people, P- 
people, broadcasters that did a morning program. I'm always curious about your routine because, you know, we got up at three thirty, four o'clock, came into Toronto and did a show, you know, in the city. But you, sir, have lived mm-hmm. you all those breakfast TV years. Didn't didn't you live in Barrie? Yes, sir. Yeah. Lived in Barrie. Got up at two thirty. Well, two thirty ish, three o'clock every morning. Uh, came in because inevitably I'd stumble upon something, uh, a story or something to shoot. And so I'd, I'd have to get up at that time. Did you, that stretch of road, the 400, especially in the winter, like, because I used to play on my mind living here in Brampton. I'd look out before I went to bed and think, oh, I hope the weather's okay overnight or in the morning because I don't want to battle to drive to work. But that stretch of road, like, I mean, again, you know, I mean, you know, the show is the thing. The show must go on. How did you deal with that? Well, you know what? In the early years, the 400 is no problem because there's nobody on it. Mm-hmm. And there was a noticeable change in traffic at three and four in the morning over the years. But when there's no one on it, I love driving in heavy snow because mm-hmm. it's, it's it's when it starts getting crowded and everybody still thinks, you know, I can still do 120 and I need to get past this person and I have to pass this person. And uh, it just becomes kill or be killed on, on the 400 now. So, no, I don't think I could do it now. Right. Yeah. And, and you don't live. I just was looking for the comments somebody made. There's a bunch of people, by the way, in our Facebook feed, which is live. And, of course, we record the podcast that are just thrilled to have you on the show. Ah. Huge breakfast television fans. Um, one of our I got to be I want to make sure I do this because one of our biggest supporters, um, he's uh, been a huge Humble and Fred supporter. And uh, we sort of joke because he's kind of like our unofficial music director, um, Keith, uh, Keith Weiland. He says he works with you at, uh, he's a fellow Ontario Shores employee. Oh, okay. All right. Hello, Keith. So there Come you say go. say hi. Yeah. Buy me a coffee. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a few of the people on Facebook, just, I'm not, I know I, we're here to talk about mental health, which you've been so honest and upfront about. But a few people, since it's your debut. So take us back. How many, just give us some, some numbers. How many years of Breakfast TV and um, how long has it been since you've been off? I think it was, I think it ended up being 27 years on on breakfast television. Um, I'm thinking I got shown the door around 2018. Let's go. Let's I go. Think. Let's stop the right I there. Think. So how was so was that a. Um, that is, was that a mutual decision or was that somebody else's decision? Oh, no, I love that show. I love doing it, uh, you know, but but. I, I, you know what? I don't suffer fools lightly, and unfortunately, we had uh, some people who came in uh, from another company uh, who decided that they knew better what was happening. So my uh, my efforts to defend our show and defend our style. Uh, unfortunately came up uh, against i'm trying to do this very diplomatically you know it's a humble uh, and fred show kevin you don't need to be diplomatic <laughs> it's it's you know what it was just it was tough it was not our show anymore um we were we were we were losing our identity uh and it was by people who really had no idea how to produce television whatsoever and that was it and then one day they called me in and they they just simply said um i hear you're not happy here i says well i i've made no bones about the fact i'm not happy with you but they said okay well uh this was your last show today Mm. and that was it wow oh those ruthless bastards so what 
what were you and what did they want you to be? This uh, this always kills. I, you know what? I was told um, by uh, the the president of media. Uh, you know, I I just want you to be like the other uh, hosts we have. Come in, do the show, go home. That's it. Don't so, want to hear your opinions. Don't want to hear your thoughts. Just go home. So at the time, and again, I don't know how old a fellow you are. You're younger than us, but you're still at the time in 2018. You know, you were of an age where, and this is what I admire about it, is you were of an age where it might have been tempting to just go along with it for a few mm-hmm. for a few years until you could kind of swan into the sunset did you uh i'm i'm not sure if you're married but did your partner or wife go kev we we have bills to pay here you know principles no. principles are my, great but they don't pay bills <laughs> my wife at the time was was very supportive you know it, it, and she understood that the show was more of a passion with me and the audience was it was you know, my family as well. And she right. knew that. So no, she, she was very supportive of, of that, but you're right. I could have just come in, done the show, gone home and I'd probably still be there today. Well, let me, let me, uh, I'm a little bewildered here because those people that of which you speak, mm-hmm. are they still in control of the show now? Yes. Well, I don't understand because the, the guy that's doing the show now is like over the top with his comments and positions and yeah. Um, so I can't they, I can't speak to their intentions. I I I, I just can't. Yeah. Like it seems uh, odd that you know just you know keep your thoughts to yourself. And now it's like honestly, I'm going to be honest. Like I, the odd Friday, we don't work Fridays. I'll put it on. It's a little too much for me. So I. I, uh, I, I'm just, it's funny how they changed course somewhere along the line. Yeah. I don't want to be searching too much mm. just because there's mm. some wonderful people, the, the people who put that show together and there's still quite a few of them there, just incredible people mm-hmm. and they care and they, and, and they know, and they love the audience as well. And the audience knows a lot of, a, a lot about them, which yeah. is unusual, of course. So yeah, I mean, it's still such wonderful people who well, are well, that there. Form, that format of television is so much like a morning show on the radio where, mm-hmm. you know, you have a chance to be a bit more yourself and people get to know you in a more intimate way than they do in you in other day parts. Because mm-hmm. the mornings are very, people are very vulnerable. Oh my gosh, I say that all the time, Howard. I, I say it all the time. I, I say you're you're most vulnerable in the morning. You get up in the morning, you have. I mean, I mean, people haven't put on makeup, they haven't washed, they haven't showered, they barely had their coffee. So they want somebody who isn't going to be. Uh, in their face, they want someone who is going to talk about what they want to talk about, bring them up to date. Essentially, people always told us they looked at us before they looked out the window. Mm-hmm. So they didn't even know what kind of day it was until until we told them. And that whole concept of heritage, too. So, again, how many years were 27, 20, 27? Yeah. And that whole concept of heritage, it becomes a thing where. Kevin's part of my morning every morning. It almost gets to the point where I don't I don't care exactly what he's saying. I just like the fact that he's there again this morning. Mm-hmm. And for to have management just it's just amazing, isn't it, this industry? And I know other industries have it, too, that they just decide one day. Mm-hmm. That all that heritage, that 27 years doesn't mean anything. And did, they, that, thank, did they thank you for your service? Did they give you, you a know. package? Like. Oh, well, I mean, they gave me the bare minimum package. They gave me the package that that was in my contract. Um, 
but on the last show, so they allowed me to come in the la- you know a, a few weeks later to say goodbye. They allowed mm-hmm. me. Oh, okay. They wanted it scripted, and I said I, I don't script it. They said, well, you can't come on then. And I said, well, oh, that's geez. that's it. So so I don't script things like that. If I'm going to say goodbye, I'm going to do a no. heartfelt thanks. And I said, if you're worried about me dissing you, dissing the company, don't worry about that. I don't do that. Not, well, not, that's what I'm going to say. Still employed by you. And, 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 so first yeah. first time we ever heard "fuck you" on breakfast. That's television. right. <laughs> Did they expect that Kevin Frankish, after all these years, was going to go on a fuck your rampage? Um, You know, it it just it it was what it was. And in the end, and I kind of think I realized it in the back of my mind there in the end, they were doing you a huge favor. You know, I I had mm. I think I had gone as far as I could, right? And there was so much more to do. And this job that I'm doing now is an indication of that. I wouldn't be doing this right now. And I'll tell you, I fell into a dream job here. Uh, to have two dream jobs in a lifetime is is just absolutely amazing. And, and, and I, I would concur too. I mean, Fred and I, mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of days, will start our 13th year of doing our wow. show on our own as a podcast. Now we did other during that th- time. There was some other radio opportunities but mainly for the better part of a decade and a couple years we've been producing this and if he and i hadn't been fired or found ourselves Mm -hmm. without work we never would have experienced this but i kind of want to go back to something that that will tie into your job now in mental health Mm -hmm. so famously there was an anchor named dan harris who melted down one day on abc television and it's spurred him on to you know uh, uh, years of self-discovery and found out that he was depressed and he started a whole um you know mindfulness you know network i want to know from you it says here you started experiencing panic attacks in 2006 and and by and so you would you'd been a broadcaster for a long time you weren't a rookie in 2006 you've been doing the show for a while yeah Talk to us a little bit about what that ex- what that experience was like, and and why why all of a sudden did these panic attacks start happening? You know, I don't know. I mean, I've learned since that it's quite common for uh, depression and anxiety to hit you hard in your forties and fifties. So, I mean, I don't know where it came from, but it was there. It had been percolating. Um, and so in 2006, I was on the air and all of a sudden, and, and whenever you talk to someone about a panic attack, they're going to tell you the same thing. It just felt off. It just felt doom. It just felt weird. I, I, I It's very hard to describe unless you've actually gone through it. And when I experienced these, one of the symptoms is... I don't want to be here. I want to be there right now. I don't want to be here. Whatever it is, I don't want to be here anymore. So I just said, I'm sorry, I'm going home. Just in the middle of the show. So you could imagine everybody, what, what? And so I went home and I cried and I cried. Uh, I thought my, I thought my career was over. I thought that was it because I didn't understand. I didn't know what this was still to, to this point. Um, uh, and you know, and I've got to say, because there's some wonderful, wonderful people at City TV. Tina Cortez was the uh, the news director of the time, and she called me, and she had said, what happened? And you know what? Take your time. Just breathe. Take. So to know I had the support then meant a lot 
And, you know, and I'd like to send that message out to employers everywhere. Just give some support to to people. So I went home. I finally, you know, through trial and error, uh, different doctors finally found out what it was. It was a panic attack. So I thought I owed the viewers. So we were very close to our viewers. So the next day I came on and I had to explain. I wanted to explain and I wanted to be open about it. And I said, I had what was called a panic attack. And I explained it and I, I apologized. And, and um, uh, I had, and that time it was before social media, I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails through the next couple of days. I thought I was the only one. I, I didn't know what the, I didn't know what that, what that was, but thank you for, for bringing, bringing that up. And so, you know, that sort of set me on being a mental health advocate. And um, it, it's so strange because people were calling me a hero. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for, no, I was just explaining what was happening. I, I still to this day don't understand why there is a stigma about talking about your own mental health. And so go, go ahead, Frank. No, no, I, uh, it's interesting because, you know, there's anxiety, which is tied to panic attacks and is anxiety and panic attacks. Are you saying is that tied to depression as well? And prior to 2006, did you struggle at all with depression or no. did this just all boil up one day? Bam. Wow. Like that. And, and, and so depression and depression came from that. I may have already been in, in, in depression right now. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was a was it a clinical depression? Probably. Uh, since that time, I've been and I'll be very open with my diagnosis. And I, you know, I would be very happy to to, to live stream a, a therapy session if you want. But <laughs> if you know, it is it is something that um, hits you, and the, the whole idea is we don't know how to get in touch with our feelings. We've never been taught what our feelings are. So when you feel this, it's completely foreign. So you, you have no way to prepare for it. You don't you don't know what it is and, and what the future is. Now, we've had a good friend, Michael Landsberg, on who has had mm-hmm. similar diagnoses, uh, diagnoses. Um, are you are you were you did you start to be treated um, with therapy and chemical intervention? Uh, yes, I'm on medication. Um, and I got to tell people the trick with medication is it's not going to cure you. What it's going to do is it's going to stabilize you. But you have got to work with your doctor and your pharmacist. And you've got to find the right mixture that doesn't give you huge side effects. You need something that's just going to stabilize you. Then you can go to work doing whatever, meditating, CBT, uh, therapy, uh, and and the like. But, but that is the tricky part. And, and Michael's, mm-hmm. I've heard this from not just Michael, but other people I know that are on medication, that it is a, it is a bit of a journey to find the right balance because not every, it's not a, a cookie cutter solution. Unfortunately, we have come up with very few new drugs for for anything to do with with mental illnesses, especially with depression and anxiety. Um, There's been great strides made in bipolar and schizophrenia research. But within depression and anxiety, we've sort of been stuck with the same, you know, uh, prescription cocktails that we have for years and years and years. So a lot of times they just say, "Okay, here, uh, try this, Uh, do uh, 150 milligrams. We'll see what that does. But if you don't have someone and you're not on it all the time and you don't have a doctor that's patient and and is willing to go the extra mile and I got to get, you know, David Satok, my doctor. Wow. This guy is incredible. His main words have always been hope. Do you have hope? 
it always end off every every one of our our sessions with you have hope Mm -hmm. what about natural like uh, mushrooms stuff like that or do you go there yet um you know what i'd be willing to try there and again that is that is where we're seeing most of the research Mm -hmm. uh happening right now and yeah there's been incredible results from that Mm -hmm. but again you've got to make sure that it is the right combination it's the right recipe kevin um would you say you know it might be a response from the people that let you go in 2018 do you think your mental health with unwittingly maybe contributed to them letting you go like enough of this guy without even realizing that you know my mental health has made me a different person i'm reacting to things differently than i might have no i i I don't think so i've got to at least believe that was not true um i was just a pain in their ass Mm mm-hmm that that's what I was. I was just a pain and they could not. And, and there was one person who could not wait to, to let me go because they couldn't deal with it. Yeah. We've met that right. person. We know those people. <laughs> um, how do you feel? Does, did you want to follow up with that? Cause I just wanted no, to, no, okay. No, how, no, how do you, how does Kevin Frankish, as I'm talking about you in the third person, mm-hmm. how does, uh, how does, how does the day to day these days show up for Kevin Frankish? And then maybe we can segue uh, before we have to let you go into uh, your podcast. Do you know what happens if you do this right? Keep in mind that, that depression and panic attacks are are not foreign. They're not a disease. They're your body and your brain telling you something. We're just, we just don't hear it. Mm-hmm. And so I listened. And so the the wonderful thing about, about therapy and about going through the, the self-examination is that you you get a new lease on life you if you do it properly because one of the things you have to do is you have to be grateful for things you have to you have to honor things you have to stop every once in a while take a breath and notice the, the wind or notice the sun you know i may sound like a flower child but it, it it is so true that when you slow down all of a sudden things that bothered you before are no big deals because you always say, okay, what's the worst case scenario? Oh my gosh, you know, this, it, it, it could be um, this, this person is really bothering me or, or this situation is really bothering me. But in the end, what is the, what is the worst case scenario? Are you going to die? Are you going to get sick? No. So it's like, things don't bother you nearly as much. I'm not saying I don't still no, have of course not. depression, um, but mm-hmm. I love, you know what? I love just sitting there and closing my eyes and listening to, to the, to the wind uh, to, 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 to use all your five senses and stop every once in a while. You're just talking about mindfulness and being present yes. as part of your daily routine. I get that. And that's what your body, that's what your body's trying to tell you. Absolutely. And it gets back to that saying, I've spent too much time in my life worrying about things that never happened. I think we're all guilty. I know I am. When you talk about worst case scenarios, when you get caught up in something and you think again, what's the worst thing that could happen? And the chances of that happening are very slim because when I look back over my life, not a lot of bad things have happened. It's I, there, there it's, was it's a, mind over matter. Oh, it is. Oh, is it? it? You know, I think there was a study, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was Stanford, but I'm not. I'm not sure. It was a study done on your daily thoughts. Eighty percent, and you, you hit the number right on the head. Yeah. Eighty uh, percent of what we think in a day mm. is negative. Ninety percent of those negative thoughts 
never happen. So we spend our days, most of our days, worrying about things that we don't need to worry about. Yeah, and and there's also, to that study, there's also a high number, I don't know if it's 60 or 70% of those thoughts, are the same as the day before. The the Ontario Shores Centre for Mental Health Sciences has uh, conscripted you, that's where you work now, (laughs) to do uh, something called the Mental Health Podcast. Um, how it says you've been doing it for a couple of years. Well, no, I, I did a podcast before called the happy molecule, oh, okay. but I did it on my own and I couldn't get a sponsor. I'm not a business person. I, I, the last few years have been horrible for me. I'll, I'll admit that because I'm not a business person. I was trying to go it alone. I was trying to do what you guys do. I can't do it. I, I don't know how I don't have the ability. I don't have the smarts to do that. It takes a lot. And I'm sure you guys sacrificed some things and struggled for a little bit just to, to do this you could like you say you could easily have gone back onto radio very very easily but (laughs) theoretically (laughs) listen we tried we gave it a good college try getting back on radio and all the just a little sidebar all the radio experiences we had while doing this podcast showed us like maybe we should just do the podcast yeah Um, well (laughs) the industry's changed the industry's changed yeah 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 so you um how long so you got uh, hired by this company to produce their mental health podcast? Well, no, I'm I'm a, I'm working communications here, so one, oh, okay. one of the jobs I have is to to do the podcast. Oh, I see. So um, that's why you know Keith because Keith works there as well. Yes, Keith yeah. is, So I do. Keith is a great guy, and- by the way. Just so you know. Okay, I will. I will seek him out. Seek him out because he's he a sweet, sweet out. bastard. Keith, jabber me, jabber me, jabber me, Keith. I don't know. Uh, what that, what is, is, uh, are you hearing? Are you hearing voices? Is that part of your? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. And uh, they're good voices. When do, when do we hear? Uh, how do we hear the uh, mental health podcast? How often are you doing? Uh, often are you doing it? And what's the uh, what's the crux okay, of it? The first one's up right now. Nice. Um, so it came up yesterday. Was World Mental Health Day? So that's what we were trying to coincide with. Uh, so the first one's up. And we're going to, I'm going to be leveraging the talent that is here. You know, we have so many incredible doctors and researchers. The research being done here is incredible uh, and good people and clinicians. So I'm going to try and use as many of the experts here. But what we just, what we want to do is this isn't all technical. This, this is about trying just to talk to people because the number one thing that we need to do in order to, to have better mental health and to have better mental health in, in, in our society is talk, but talk plainly and talk about things that, that have an impact on you. Talking about depression, talking about loneliness, talking about suicide, talking about bipolar, talking about, well, what about my kids? You know, and, and, and talking about homelessness, mental health. Um, everyone has mental health. Every single person alive has mental health and varying degrees of good or bad mental health. And people just all they a lot of times people just want to say, oh, okay, I'm not the only one who feels that way. Okay, I can feel better now. And the again, I am using that one word that my doctor always used with me, and that is hope, because that's the exact opposite of depression. So if our shows can say, okay, there is some hope and there is hope. You know what? Depression and anxiety, especially, are 100 percent treatable. And so people don't realize that. And when you lose hope, 
you don't try and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse, you know, and loneliness that we're going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks. Loneliness, uh, for example, um, and this is, this is a number that was that was uh, figured out by this, the U.S. Surgeon General back in the in the uh, the old uh, uh, George Bush days senior. Uh, but then re-examined and reposted just recently and that is loneliness has the same impact on your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day good lord i'll tell you what as we say goodbye i want you to know so the, the comments on our facebook page here's a typical one uh from denise uh, she says kevin and jennifer were the reason i watched the show so many funny memories they gave me a happy start to my day so i know you know this but you had quite an impact on uh, people and uh, we certainly appreciate you taking some time for us making his debut hard to believe yeah but i think fred is well, fred's right and we were on the same time all those years and we were saying horrible mm. things about people you didn't want to, you didn't <laughs> you didn't want any part of what we used to be like it was awful we were yeah, terrible. That, was the, that was the hating yeah we we're different. listen we're different now we've evolved we're more grown up i mean yeah we still do fart. i know some of the some of the things howard said about aaron davis you would not believe oh really <laughs> oh poor yes. aaron yeah yeah what and, and some of the things fred said about also aaron davis <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Kevin Frank is the Thanks, Mental Health Kevin. Podcast and uh, the Ontario Store Center for Mental Health Sciences. Thanks, my friend. We'll love to All have right, you back care, sometime. Guys. Take yes, care. Please have me back anytime. All right, right on, buddy. Bye bye. What a nice. See, there's a guy who turns out to be every bit as nice as you thought he would be and hoped he would be. Okay? You know, you, you look back. You look back over your life, back in 2005 when I was fired at the mix, I often wonder, should I have had some therapy? And I'm being honest at the time because my job was being affected by my mental state oh, you know, yeah. without, really rea- without really realizing it. You know what I mean? Because, again, the powers that be, the, the situation changed, uh, promises broken and all those things. You don't, you don't realize it at the time, but then... That ends up on the air, you know, and it's it's a weird situation. I I would and concur. I think a lot of I think a lot of people fall into that. You know, their their job suffers without them really even knowing why, and it's because of that because they're just not right in the head. Well, by two thousand three, four, and five, I had already had started therapy, mm-hmm. um, and I can tell you since you brought it up um, that your performance was absolutely affected. by your state of mind call it mental health Mm -hmm. um and think about it at that time for the first time in your life think about all the circumstances that had changed Mm -hmm. in a way that for me dan uh danny kingsbury i'd i'd worked at 20 radio stations by then it was you know i was sort of used to going from one place to another and new people Mm -hmm. and and not that it was uh, being critical but it was new for you You'd oh, been you'd, you'd been with the same tribe of people for the better part of twenty years, including me. By that time, we'd worked together for almost uh, thirteen or fourteen years, mm-hmm. and then we go to this foreign place where, you know, the opportunity was fantastic, but the circumstances were way different, especially oh. for you. Oh yeah, too many 
you know what's the word too many hands in the pot and well, yeah but all that all directions if, from all those people and yeah it was weird it was, it was i wasn't used to it that's right yeah it was uh it was and it wasn't much better for me i just i had a little bit more experience mm-hmm. going into a place and you know it was all i, I had done that i had replicated that thing many many times um but mm-hmm. kevin brought up a lot of stuff that you know the therapy that i've had over the years and and you know that when he said oh i don't want to be too flower child you know the basic and this happens in in high level sports now they have discovered that mindfulness meditation being in the present what you said about that thing you said uh you know people worry 80 percent of the things people worry about never happen Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. so that is at the heart of most anxiety and i would say that i've you know done quite a bit of reading on this not only is 80 percent of the stuff never happened if you look back at your life and then you you brought it up you have such good you have good intuition about this stuff all the things that have happened in our lives first of all have already happened and look we're still here we survived them uh they didn't turn out to be so bad uh everything that we thought was going to be an incredibly you know anxious experience we got through it Mm -hmm. you know i and you talk about mind mindfulness even in the aspect of anxiety i was listening i forget who was somebody notable talking about anxiety and getting therapy and their therapist just said, when it comes to anxiety, you always have to be aware that you're falling into an anxious moment that you need not to. And just simply tell yourself to stop. When your mind starts spinning there, like be mindful and say, okay, just stop now and think of something else to derail it. And then you condition yourself to do those do those things. And I, again, but, but that's a, what medita- a form of therapy. But yeah. what meditation is, mm-hmm. most people just have, you know, because, you know, I've been uh, on this app now for a couple of years where I do like this daily 10 minute thing. What meditation is, is just what you described. You find your, you, you get practiced in finding your mm-hmm. mind wandering, having anxious thoughts or thoughts yes. in general. And then you write, oh, you go, oh, I'm having those thoughts. You recognize it and you bring mm-hmm. it back to the present moment. And that, mm-hmm. because here's the thing, you can't just say to yourself, don't think this but what you can say to yourself is oh i'm thinking this Mm -hmm. and now i can go back to something that's anchored my breathing you know in golf psychology Mm -hmm. we talk about being where your body is because your body's Mm -hmm. always in this present tense whereas Mm -hmm. your mind is going back and forth and in from an athletic you know this is what the leafs need from an athletic endeavor when you're not present, that's when you don't play very well. Leafs, maybe, when they get into these situations, mm-hmm. they're thinking about the past, the future, the consequences. Sure. And they play they play a little bit scared, you know, and that's probably mm-hmm. part of their problem. Uh, let's get the uh, nibbles here. Uh, great discussion this morning with uh, Kevin Frank. He's a good guy. We should get him and Landsberg on at the same time. Have a mental health yeah. roundtable. Yeah. It's just how many people in broadcasting can relate to that. All of a sudden, these people come in and, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, we had that. like Many, many times. times. People come in from a, an unrelated industry, and now they're telling you what to do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how did this happen? How did this happen? <laughs> um, just before we introduce Tim, one of my favorite moments is Fred and I, you know, we were doing pretty good based the late 90s, and uh, Stern came into town, and we were number one, 18 to 34 mm. men and women, and then Stern came to town, the most famous broadcaster on the earth, and then all of a sudden, we weren't number one anymore, and we started getting consulted. And one day, we mm. went for lunch with the consultant, <laughs> and uh, he had a bunch of food on his shirt. 
And mm-hmm. and uh, for Fred and I, in those days, that was enough for us to discount him forever. <laughs> so he, you and I, yeah. we went back to our office and we're like, well, that guy's an idiot. Because <laughs> he had a bunch of spaghetti on his shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's who we were. And the little uh, general loved him. Oh, yeah. He loved was the him. greatest thing oh, ever. Oh, yeah. People still love him. Yeah, it was crazy. All man. right. Even though he's passed. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get the... Uh, now, here's a guy who's got legitimate... He's got legitimate stuff. You know, if only the Sherpa could have been our consultant. Well, it's never too late, Howard. No, it isn't. It's never too late. Tim.nibblet at RaymondJames.ca is how you get a hold of Tim. And uh, why, looky, everybody. Here he is, this gem of a man, Tim Nibblet. Uh, Hello, Tim. You know, good morning, guys. Good morning. I, I, I'm when sorry, I say I, your I name, that, that would be your that would be your yeah. cue. <laughs> well, I switched to decaf coffee now, Howard. <laughs> so you know, things are a little slower in the morning. There there. Quite, uh, and, and plus, I'm still great... traumatized because I was never recognized on Romper Room ever, and you brought that up. Uh, hey, wait a second! I'll guarantee you, there were more Tims yeah. recognized than Howards. Never heard Tim. Never really? heard Tim. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could. Uh, Timmy, maybe. Yeah. Timmy, there's Timmy. Hey, this. Uh, how's this uh, decaf coffee thing working for you? You notice a difference, and why did you do that? Uh, just with my heart stuff. Uh, okay. Just getting my victories wherever I can. Right. So uh, it was a pretty surprisingly easy transition, actually. Um, yeah. With with the decaf, as long as it's good, right? I mean, yeah, you still need well the flavors. So, and, and as I mentioned to Howard uh, the other day when I saw him, uh, my heart—I uh, had a, a exam or update or whatever Fred last Friday, and it's actually improving as opposed oh, to getting there. You worse. go, good work, wonderful, wonderful. You know, I'm this. I, I stopped drinking. It was last November when I had my second kind of heart incident in Mexico, and. I, I started drinking decaf coffee, and Tim, you're absolutely right. Like I can, I, I just try to remember the name of this brand. It's really good. Uh, something well, that's tree. The key, yeah. It's it, it, uh, something tree. I'll I'll remember it, but it's really good. And I don't really notice. I don't I don't drink that much. But if it's if it if it has a good flavor, it almost seems like it tricks your brain or something to to thinking that it's you know better than it really is. But I don't miss the caffeine rush. mm Hmm. I did switch to a machine that grinds it fresh and yeah. just buy the Ooh. beans from, you know, local store and all. So that seems to help. But, you know, how dandoranish of you. Mm. No, it's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's it just you go for your victories where you can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've you- often thought of make, about making the switch and I've tried a couple of times. But again, it comes back to flavor. I, I drink this Starbucks French and I, and I love yeah. it. And I just can't find anything I, I, similar. I, it's called kicking horse. That's Kicking what I do. Horse. Kicking right. horse. And you, it, it's, you, it can buy it in the grocery store. I, I do it. I grind the beans every day. It's decaf coffee. And I, I, even the great Dan Duran, when he was uh, my roommate there for a while, even the great Dan Duran would, would drink it. And it would satisfy. And he's the biggest uh, coffee snob I know. Uh, let's talk about some numbers. This, one, of the, one of the fundamental questions, and it's funny that we haven't thrown this around. It would seem obvious, but we've been doing these discussions with Timmy now for some time. And I like what you say there at the very beginning. When should you retire? Like, what a great question to ask um, people listening, because that is something that comes up with a lot of people. What is, what, what is the sweet spot and how will you know when you get there? Yeah, you know, it's different for all of us, obviously, but it's super important. And, and we really need to know 
What's important to us, of course, as clients to be able to have the advisor advise uh, properly. I mean, I'm going through this myself a bit right now. Uh, just with a client yesterday who turned 70, she's very healthy, very active and all, but she's starting to feel uh, her, her mortality or whatever and, and, and that. So, yeah, what what time is right for you? And it, it, of course, the numbers matter, but it's not all about the numbers. Oh, no. It's amazing how many people probably retire and then look back and think, geez, this probably, you know, ideally it's, oh, I can't wait for retirement. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do it and then look back and go, B, maybe that wasn't the right, (laughs) maybe that wasn't the right move. Money aside, just for mind, uh, you know, uh, just to exercise the mind. Definitely two sides of that coin, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. there's some people who kind of can't wait to retire and, Mm -hmm. and, maybe sometimes regret that they didn't do it sooner once they, mm-hmm. they make the decision uh, because it could be, you know, you just had Kevin on. I mean, it could be affecting your mental health. It could be affecting your your physical health to still be working. And we have to take those things into account. Of course, the flip side of that is uh, some people get to retirement and don't know what the heck to do with themselves. And, and yeah. one of the discussions we've had, uh, the three of us, but I want to mention it here because I think it's important because, as you say, it's not just about money. And it, it could be a little bit about the ideas. You, you only have, according to that study we talked about, that the average person is sort of able-bodied until average uh, around 69 years old. You know, after that, it's, you know, things start to break down at a rapid rate, but not necessarily, but it averages out. And, and maybe that's a consideration for somebody's retirement that they want to be able to, you know, have some years where they're able to go and, and have some adventures. Well, certainly travel is a driver for a lot of people, of right. course, right? So if you've always wanted to go to Santorini and uh, don't want to take a donkey but want to climb the steps, I mean, you, you might not be able to do that when you're 80 years of age. So mm-hmm. we, we have to take these things into into account. We're looking to go to South America in a year and a bit, and there's some pretty treacherous waters, I guess, along the, the way there. And, and you have to be up to these things, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, if you... You know, we need to know when people are going to pass, not facetiously. That's an important part. So you guesstimate as best you can. But yeah, how long you're going to be active for, right? If you like to golf, how long you'll be able to golf for? If you like to travel, uh, if you like to play Yahtzee, or, or if you like to play, uh, what's that Fred uh, Cottage Tin Palace uh, bowling thing? Bocce. Bocce. How long do you play bocce for? These are important considerations. Yeah, you got to be careful. Show respect. You got to be careful. You don't want to hurt your wrist or something tossing a bocce ball. Uh well, I had that conversation with my mother-in-law yesterday. I was just talking about we were. She's almost ninety. Delise and I were talking about our age, and I said, you know, I probably got maybe twenty years left, and uh, maybe ten of those are quality. And uh, she said, "Oh, Fetty, don't say that. She's in pretty good shape." But that's that's true. I mean, seriously, quality meaning being able to travel to South uh, America. You know, confidently, mm-hmm. you know, because you would get to the point where, yeah, I like that. That sounds like a pretty good adventure, but I'm not sure I'm up to it. And there's a lot of people in that situation, even of younger ages, you know, if they haven't looked after each looked after themselves. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was getting at. And, and one mm-hmm. of the things that seems obvious, again, starting with when should you retire and, you know, all these different considerations. And then Tim poses the question, <clears throat> excuse me, do you like your job? You know, that's a great question to ask somebody who has the 
you know, because not everyone's like, you know, me and Freddie. We, you know, we love doing this. And, in, in a, you know, we're somewhat retired from the Monday through Friday radio world. But what, what does that question come back when you ask it, Tim? Well, you, you know, Kevin mentioned it also about the vulnerability we have in the mornings. I, I mean, if you wake up in the morning and dread going to work, right? Uh, don't look forward to going to work or afraid of going to work, uh, all of which are possible, doesn't really start your day off in a good, <laughs> a good way. And, you, you know, that affects our whole body, of course, too, right? For, for the physical health and all that. So, and, and some people, I mean, part of me could do my gig forever because I love it and I love who I do it for. Uh, it, it's still responsibility. It's, it's still, uh, pressure, all, all those things. But yeah, it, if you enjoy your job, then that makes a big difference in your retirement thought process as well. Man, weren't we lucky? Like, I don't ever remember. You might get up in the morning, all those years of working in morning radio, and think, I feel tired. And if I had my choice, I wouldn't go in today. But not, never was it tied to, I don't like this job or... You know, yeah, and and I'm except maybe the mixtures. I was uh, just going to say, I was giving. You know, what, what, didn't didn't we just talk about that when that you were not set up when you were not very well? Um, I can tell you because you know I'm around a lot of guys in their early sixties in the in the golf world that have either recently mm-hmm. recently retired or are going to, and when I hear them talk about their jobs. It's different than what you just said, Tim, or what Freddie and I have been lucky enough to experience. Uh, These are all great discussions. In a way, not only is Tim an advisor when it comes to monetary uh, issues, but as the retirement Sherpa, the Sherpa part is to have these discussions that that go beyond just the numbers that can help you make a decision when it's best for you to become a retiree. And uh, and we thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> My absolute pleasure. Let's all cheer the temperature on for ladies' night uh, tonight. Yes, I know. Hope it's not too freezing uh, oh, this man. afternoon. It's supposed to be like 14 degrees, but feels like 11. Well, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> it is. You should, should call it off. I, listen, man, I played on Saturday. I had like four layers on, and uh, it was just, I had mittens because I'm such a fucking baby now. Uh, Tim.Niblet at RaymondJames.ca. I look forward to giving you a big hug in person today, my friend. Take care. Oh, it'd be my pleasure. Enjoy and profit there, guys. Great talking to you. Always a pleasure. There he is. See? There's lots of stuff in there. There's nothing to do with numbers. Um... Yeah, everybody has their own story. Like, I had a couple of buddies that throughout their lives worked outdoor in the cold and the heat, and they couldn't wait to retire, and you can totally relate to that, you know? Or somebody, and not them in particular, people still say to me, so when are you going to retire? But they're coming from a mindset they couldn't wait to retire. They couldn't wait to stop working. They can't relate to the passion we have for this. And when you say, well... I have no plans or I don't want to. I enjoy what I'm doing. They have trouble relating to that. And that's pretty sad, isn't it? Somebody can't relate to loving their job. No, I get asked that all the time. So when are you guys mm-hmm. still, or more like this, not when are you going to stop? It's like, are you and Fred still doing that show? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I do a show with Fred and I do a show with a guy named Tim O'Connor, which by the way, uh, I'm recording today. And I just realized like, Tim just finished. We we just finished eight years of doing that podcast. Wow, not crazy. Mm-hmm. Not that many episodes though. Like we've done two hundred and forty five ish episodes because we don't do it like you and I do this. Sure, mm-hmm. but uh, just the fact that we've kept doing it all these years, 
And why do I do it? Because I just like it. You know, same with I, I was I know we were joking around about aging with energy, but I'm looking forward to it. I like doing mm-hmm. it with you. I was thinking I was thinking about this morning, like, yeah. you know, which ones are we going to do? We're going to have some fun, you know, shooting the shit about places we've traveled. And, you know, people seem to enjoy that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, I still New have a season coming soon. Yes. <laughs> Where I um, did I not admit Dan here? Hang on a second. Let me. While Dan's getting himself settled, let me talk about this uh, company, Boron One. Go to BoronOne.com. We had a great discussion with our friend Tim Daniels yesterday. And he, you know, I love the fact that he talked about how rare it is for a junior mining company to get to the stage that Boron One is and how rare uh, and unique it is for any company to take Boron out of the earth there's only a handful of commercial operations, and Boron One is about to be another one of them. And as we mentioned, man, it is in everything. The number of items that contain boron in homes is surprising. Roofing materials, wallboard, paint, fiberglass insulation, all kinds of things. Uh, when used as a treatment for construction materials as wood, plastic, bricks, pipes, and so much more. And now that we've just had the Sherpa on, you could ask him about Boron One. Or ask your Sherpa about it. And uh, sometime in the next uh, couple of years, they're going to be a commercial boron mining operation. And that might be a good thing to be part of. Uh, check it out at boron1.com. Um, we were going to, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that, you know, there was a, there, there should be a place for us to acknowledge uh, what was going on and what has been going on in the Middle East. But uh, what I thought we would do, if with your permission, Fred, is... Uh, granted. Granted. I want to read... Um, I just want to read a uh, an email. Now, tomorrow is email day. Dan will remind you of that uh, at the end of this program. And if you haven't gotten your emails in yet, uh, you should. And we can read your emails, all right? Hi, guys. You know what? I won't even play that today. Uh, this is from our friend Michael McCulf. And uh, Fred and I know this guy. He's from Buffalo. We call him Buffalo Boy. Is this not Buffalo Boy? Mm-hmm. Okay. He said, listen to the podcast today, and this is why we love you guys. Yes, the humor that's always loved, but your talk with Larry. First off, you and Fred are the best interviewers there are, and I'm not just saying that as a fan and a friend of the show. I'm saying that as someone from the U.S. side of the border, and you know we have horrible media. You and Fred once again bring a sense to the senseless and provide rational insight to the irrational. Thank goodness we have you guys Thank goodness we have you guys. You and Fred are shining lights. Sorry, there's no way. He, he, he's, it's a great note, but there's no punctuation. He says, thank goodness we have you guys. You and Fred are shining lights on darkest days. Dan, did you hear that? Shining lights. Shining light on darkest days. And hilariously funny on good days. Feel free to share on your show. I just have to let you guys know that I appreciate the show today. This is yesterday. And what you and Fred do matters to people uh, to keep people sane through the insanity. Love you guys, Buffalo Boy. Very sweet. That is very sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm, we appreciate your uh, kind thoughts. Thanks, Miker. Thanks, Miker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> er, I'm sorry. Well, no, no. Is, is, is Michael too much of an effort? Is that too hard? 
<laughs> well, we have a personal relationship. Well, I know we, we went did. to a Blue Jays game. Yes, with we did. Yes, we did. Yeah, it's beyond. You know, we've actually. I've I've actually touched that man. He sat you know, between us. We couldn't help it. That's right. We well, had a Buffalo course, Boy so. sandwich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now we've had the t- we've had the Timmer on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Timmer and Mike. Oh, are, the, the, the Fredder's yeah. here. Yeah, Frenzy. Yeah, Fredder. Fredder. I'm out. a Danner. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have the energy to embark. I don't know if I have the energy to embark on um, a discussion. I'll you know what I've got some audio. I'll save it for tomorrow. We can maybe because we're gonna we're gonna tomorrow we have no guests, so we can bat around the. Horrific nature of human beings when religion is involved. See, this is another, I was thinking about this yesterday, another dimension of social media. It's like you have an issue like this, which seems pretty black and white, clear cut. But all around you, you have all these, you know, comments and opinions coming at you. And so many of of them are aggravating that prior to social media, you wouldn't even have, have heard or had to deal with or consider or react to. I mean, that's part, you know, talk about depression. I mean, that's part of what this issue has become now. People reacting to people's reactions. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's bizarre. Yeah, and I, I, I immersed myself in it for a couple of days. And then last night, I was going to turn CNN on, which I'd been listening to all day and and again, I don't want to delve into some of the stuff because I, I don't have the stomach for it right now. But I, I then I was going to turn it on. And I thought, you know, I've had enough today. I know that sounds weird, but I, I just had enough. And I turned on some uh, stand-up. Yes, I did. I turned on some Seinfeld. Got a story about Seinfeld. I can save it for tomorrow. But apparently there, there's work. There's a reunion in the work. So we'll ha- tomorrow yeah. we'll have that story. So that's what yeah. I did. I, I just removed myself for, from it. At the end of the day, and maybe that's, I don't know, irresponsible, but I just didn't, I just had had enough of it. It goes back to what I said at the beginning of the show. Aren't we lucky here in Canada that you can just reach over and switch that off? Yeah. Where they, they can't over there in a lot of places. Look at Ukraine. Wouldn't it be nice to just switch it off? But I will read one thing and then we'll get to Dan's news um, because I think this sums up a rational, sort of level headed, a way to understand what's been going on. It's just one one line. And I, I, I cut and pasted this from some thing I saw. I recognize the legitimate grievances of the Palestinian people, but nothing can justify these acts of terror and the killing and maiming and abduction of civilians. And I think that covers it. That's sort of like, okay, I've covered all mm-hmm. the bases with that. You know, you can recognize that there are people there that have that have a legitimate grievance, but mm-hmm. nothing justifies this. No, and a lot of those people probably wouldn't agree with the tactics that the people that have become their face have so they're let, or, so are doing. So that's our update for today. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow we'll delve more into it. Um, in the meantime, it's time for this <laughs> this this antidote to darkness. Now, here's to a fella named Anduran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anger man. His voice is nice and low. Oh. 
And around the Eggerman comes As fast for credentials he has none Can't tell a headline from his bum But his voice is nice and low Dand around the Eggerman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low Doesn't that sum it all up? He's got a big wang but he don't care And now live from Dan and Lisa's house Dan, have you ever thought of becoming an underwear model? <laughs> what, what happened? Did Lisa just hear that for the first time? No, no, she's not. She's working. She's oh, good, a, good. She's a busy working woman. Live she's from Dan. her clothes and uh, has begun the work day. All right, live from Dan and Lisa's house. Uh, here he is, movie anchorman and television uh, announcer, Daniel J. Giebert Duran. Okay, so California yesterday passed a right to repair law. This has been floating around for a while down there, and it's actually been floating around uh, up here in Canada, the yeah, yeah, concept yeah. of right to repair. Now, you guys know what this is all about. No, right? I have no idea. No. So there's all kinds of electronic devices and cars. Well, not so much cars, because there is a law that allows you and other people to fix cars. But there's all kinds of things that have become obsolete because you can't fix them. They're designed not to be fixed and not to to remain long term. Um, so many manufacturers uh, re- prohibit repair. You'll void the warranty or uh, there's copyright infringement laws. So so like there, there, there was a big deal with farmers. As a matter of fact, there was a. A big uh, lawsuit in the States, and they've changed their tune down in the States as far as John Deere goes, where you weren't allowed. And in Canada, still, there's you can't re- necessarily repair some of your brand new farm equipment like all farmers used to, because you're supposed to go through the company like John Deere, whether or whatever, to get the access codes to understand what the, the error codes and all that stuff. Now that it's all connected to the Internet and the World Wide Web and stuff. So um, there's been a lot of uh, pushback from consumers because, you know, like you're a farmer, your tractor breaks. You've got to wait till a John Deere guy comes out and fix your tractor or you got to haul it into the dealership or uh, and sometimes that dealership can be pretty far away. But there's a guy that knows how to fix farm machinery, you know, in the small town next door. So it's one of those things that that has uh, enraged some people. And finally, the, there is some. Uh, some work being done on this in other countries in the world like Australia and there's uh, parts of the EU that have, have uh, adopted some regulations in this regard and California now has become one of three states that have got some of this uh, going on for example uh, gear and gadgets that cost between 50 and 100 bucks will have to stock replacement parts and tools and maintain documentation for three years and then the, the larger the price point the uh, the more the, the longer the uh, the year that it, it has to be. I mean, I mean, I don't know. The longer the time it takes uh, that they have to maintain the the device, like from vacuum cleaners to fridges, and you, it's impossible to repair some of these things now. It's just literally because they're all plastic molded together, or you need to take it into a, a dealership. And, and the thing is, if you break any of those seals, your your warranty is void, even if you were successful fixing it. Right. If something else happened, the the warranty would be void. I agree. And some of these cars I hear about now, they come with all sorts of features, but you can't use them until you subscribe to them like you would like a television 
you know, well, cable I, I, or, I, I have or, to or admit, serious or whatever. Yeah, I have to admit I drifted off uh, at, yeah. during parts of that long explanation, but I do. I, I am up to date now. Um, okay. <laughs> you drifted off. <laughs> I did. I drifted I, I off. Get, so you get it. Like, I want to be able to repair this, which I'll never do, but <laughs> right. I'll have the right to if I want to. But Fred, Fred did make me uh, these, about subscriptions. For instance, the Tesla, there's all mm-hmm. kinds of features on it. You know, like karaoke. I know it's strange, but there's a bunch of stuff, including karaoke, that you need to... Which is great in the car. Absolutely. But you but you need to subscribe to that. It's an aftermarket app right. upgrade. But I read so this... So it actually lives in the car, but you can't use it until you... Until pay you pay it. extra for it. It's wild. It's wild. But, yeah. but I read something that is you'll, you'll, you guys will love that, you know, I was reading an article about, you know, the genius of Tesla and... And, and again, forget what, you know, aside what, what an idiot Elon Musk is, but one of the, the quotes I loved was that they said that Elon Musk realized uh, a long time ago that the new wave of automobiles was more about, was less about iron and more about apps. It was less about the car and more about the intellect of the car. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really, if I may say, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but as cars, now, I, I again, I go back to like my first car, a '65 Dodge van, where you would lift the the shroud to get to the engine, and everything was sort of there. Even an idiot like me, I could replace the coil or the spark plugs or the the wires and the, you know the distributor cap. And now you lift a thing, and it's like you wouldn't even know where to begin. I'm just curious. You said you lift the shroud. Mm-hmm. What is the shroud? Well, with a van, right? The engine was literally inside the van between the two seats. Interesting. So it was is covered that that by a shroud. Yeah. Interesting. Shroud um, is a covering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah. But I was also, I've only ever heard it used with the Jesus thing, shroud of turf, you know, which was supposed <laughs> to have Jesus' right, yeah. bones. Dan. Cover, cover the Jesus. Cover the, the Jesus cloth. Jesus. Yeah. You know what? Who has, here's the thing. To, to, to go now do a, an hour and 40 minute callback who has jesus's pajamas <laughs> no one huh? he wore something it's a shout a shroud of turn the shroud of pajamas yeah, um shroud dan shroud. thank you for your service to this program and uh, sure yeah no problem appreciate it now, you, you know i feel i feel deflated now because you, you like you lost your uh no i just your total interest in this this is a big <laughs> I, thing for me i didn't i came no, back to it i like i had something to say i came back to it to software add-ons which yeah, you know, but i don't activated. know what else to, listen i don't know what else to say i did most well, of that fake I, it. I did fake it <laughs> <laughs> I totally faked it i just got i just i was trying to be real man i just at some point i just drifted off in the middle of that See, it's people like you that the, re- the reason like people like me can't fix things anymore We're not I, allowed know. To. I know i'm a terrible you person i'm a terrible person put a, put a device together and they pour nope. a bunch of wax or whatever I all know. over it and you can't get I in there terrible. you know mm. um, i know Listen, I, yes, what I, about hey, you know, I could I could have done the 104 year old lady that jumped out of the plane, uh, you know, did a skydiving thing and then died a few days later. L- Dan, listen, it's me, not you. You're beautiful. <laughs> I want to talk about Palma Pasta. Uh, I was in uh, Palma's kitchen yesterday and um, just as I was leaving, I ran into one of Anthony's children. Just wonderful. Sydney's her name. And then I said, Sydney, I've never been in the office, which is right across from Palma's kitchen. Can, let me go and see, say hi to your dad. So I sort of surprised him. I'll tell you what, this Anthony Petrucci guy, you want to talk about a guy who not only loves his work, but he's doing grown-up man stuff there. Like he's got an office, like a regular guy. He goes, uh, so I, I sat there in an office with a grown man. 
putting together all the Palma Pasta stuff. Uh, you want to uh, check it out yourself. Not not Anthony's office. You're not going in there. Okay. But, um, of course, there's Palma's Kitchen and the other locations of Palma Pasta. Uh, go to palmapasta.com. We'll tell you more about them tomorrow because they're uh, our presenters of the email show, which is Thursday. And maybe, Dan, you could take another crack at the uh, fail-to-repair legislation. Right, right to repair. That's right what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> so, Palma Pasta, Italian tradition, simply delicioso. I'm sure if Anthony wanted you in his office, he would have invited you before. He did yesterday. invite me. So shut your face. He did no, invite Sydney me. Sydney took you. And he invited me. Oh, Why do you have to be Just so negative? Just when I need this interruption. Okay. <laughs> Why do you have to be so negative? Oh, you're negative? here now. Come on in. <laughs> hey, he gave me not one, not he gave me two big hugs. So fuck you both. Two big hugs from Anthony. Anyway, uh, Palma Pasta, palmapasta.com. Uh, Dan, thank you again for that riveting story about something to do with repairing things. Yeah. And uh, tomorrow, maybe, you know what? Maybe try again tomorrow. Actually, try again every... (laughs) Try again every day until I get it. All right. All right. This episode of Hubble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, evnet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. For contests and comments, we read all of our email. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. So tell us what you think. Liking and subscribing helps us out, and so does writing a review. Please help us out. So say something nice about us. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, these two are shining lights on darkest days. So listen and enjoy every goddamn day. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Mm-hmm.